Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Double drill deep to left field. Going back choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! Alright, what is up? Welcome in, it's episode number 10. We've made it an even 10, episode 7. Look at us, we're tearing it up, man. We are, really. ten Double digits right now, coming into it hot right now, so... Especially with the trade deadline not eating up like we expected, but we got a lot of trade talk to get into again. Yeah, I, I love it. I love this time of year. Um, and with that, it's time for Meet the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say we'll get into trade talk in a bit, but I, I, again, it's to the point where we're not even making we're making fun of them, but it's we're not going out of our way at this point. No. Jared Kalenic's mother is not happy with the New York Mets. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's bad when the the Mets are just saying the wrong things at the wrong times to the point where a former player who wasn't even on the major league team, his mother has to get involved and tell the Mets to shut the fuck up. Like, that's how you know <laughs> things are going down a slippery slope and they have no traction left. The season is lost. We heard that from Brody Van Wagenen last week that he get, he gave up, but they can't give up on the fact that they gave up Jared Klenick and his mother is none too happy with this. She told Baseball America, quote, it still surprises me seeing him in New York newspapers after all this time. He's 19. He was yours for four months. You broke up with him. Unquote. <laughs> the Mets would be that fucking psychotic ex that thinks four yep. months constitutes like four years. That so that's how I would just I would I would phrase it that way. The Mets are the psychotic ex that can't let go because they think of those two really good first da- or first and second dates that they had with them before they dumped him for an older and over the hill man in Robinson Cano. <laughs> Sugar Daddy Cano. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I love it. Uh, the Mets, uh, if they were a uh, girl, their Twitter accounts reading just like, I miss him. I wonder if he still thinks about me. <laughs> There's some tweeting and retweeting all these fucking weird breakup quotes and shit. Like... The teen quotes account. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. God, this is perfect. When I look up what? to the sky at night, I wonder if you think of me too. <laughs> <laughs> New York Mets. <laughs> oh my fucking god! With the eyes emojis, just like ooh. <laughs> still think about you, Jared. The moon emoji that has like the side <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yes, that one's perfect. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh 
Oh, I he love it. It's bad when the parents have to get involved and say, Stop texting my son. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Mom is not happy. No. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She shouldn't be happy, though. No. The, I mean, I was like, gave up is she out of line here? Way too early. Uh, no, not at all. If I mean,. In a real, like, now, going back to the real scenario, all the ex-crazy shit talk aside, but when you think about it, like, if my kid was, he's a single-A player, too, like, he legit has done nothing um, in terms of garnering this type of attention from the media capital of the world, Uh, and for that amount of time, four months, you, you had him, yeah, you drafted him, he was supposed to do great things for you, and you flipped him. In a trade that now looks horrendous in yeah. the Mets, but I understand what Kalenic's mom's saying. Like, dude, like get the fuck over it. It you didn't do anything with him. You didn't develop him the way you wanted to. You traded him for, a, you know, an aging Cano who's a shell of himself, and Edwin Diaz. Who I mean, I won't put that one on the Mets because Diaz should have. He was definitely the marquee name in the deal, but I mean, he's been terrible too. So to keep harping on the fact of what could have been. Yeah, I, I mean, at some point, cut the cord. The kid's going to go through Seattle, hopefully, and he's going to have a great career. For, for what it looks like right now, he's doing well in the minors, but until he does something, like, you shouldn't be this hung up. He's 19 years old, and they're acting like they gave away Mike Trout. And, like, even if, you know, he turns out to be Mike Trout, which he, I don't think he will, but if he does, is it the Mets' place to, to bitch and moan in the papers still? No, like it's just this is too it's too much. Like I understand there's gonna be buyer's remorse on any trade, especially if it doesn't work out for one side. But to this point, to take it this far, um, yeah, just at, at some point, just be like, all right, you know what, we're, we're gonna move on. But again, they already said they're gonna move on, but they keep talking about it. So they really yeah, we we lost we lost the trade. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't win them all. But yeah. Again, they gave up. So you know that maybe this is their headlines now. <laughs> Uh, keeping with the Wilpons, uh, they say that they don't want to sell the team because they claim it's, quote, impossible. And that is in the same Baseball America uh, article. And they say they're committed to selling or they're, they're committed sellers. And that contradicts themselves. Yeah. I mean, again, this is just as mess as it gets, right? So yeah. talking to reporters saying we're committed to selling. And then say, but we, we don't want to give up Syndergaard, and we don't want to give up anyone that, you know, we like. So we'll give up Jason Vargas and Todd Frazier. Essentially is what they told the media. So, that, this again, this is like, they're so they've gone from the Psycho X, and now they're, this is like Benjamin Button. They're just becoming, I guess, reverse <laughs> Benjamin Button? Yeah, no, Benjamin Button. Now they're becoming like children. Reverse yeah. Benjamin Button is literally aging. Yeah, so now it's Benjamin Button. So now they're going backwards even further into like toddlers at the playpen saying, "Oh, you want to play with my blocks? Oh no, 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 I need I need these ones, but you can have the triangle because it doesn't fit with anything." Like, no, <laughs> this this isn't how the fucking world works. You have assets, you know that you're gonna get a return for them, and you understand what you need to do. But at the same time, it's like they just can't let go. And they should have done it last year with DeGrom. I've said it before. They should have done that. They had multiple opportunities to do that last year. And they need to do it this year with Syndergaard. There's there's not going to be an opportunity like this where they have desirable assets to sell, where they can capitalize on a weak 
trade market right now because of the NL picture. And this isn't an off-season trade that you want to make. You want to make it right now where the pressure's on and teams are going to make panic moves and overbuy or overpay for something like this. And for the Mets to come out and say, uh, no, like, we, we need them right now. But you can have, like, our shit heap, like Vargas and Frazier and whoever else they decide to pull the trigger on. But that's not selling. That's just being stupid. If we made a graphic with the baby Looney Tunes and, like, the Mets logo superimposed onto one of the heads of the baby Looney Tunes, how fast do you think we get a cease and desist from Warner uh. Brothers? You think it's enough that we can go viral first before we get that cease and desist? Honestly, I kind of want a cease and desist from the New York <laughs> I'm more worried about Warner Brothers giving us a cease and desist. That's true. For using no, the baby. Like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like like the Tiny Toons, you mean? Yeah. No, Baby Looney Tunes. It can't, they, like, they, they, I don't know. Maybe this is a generational gap here. But they made a, a cartoon with like all the Looney Tunes, like Bugs, Daffy, uh, Taz, Sylvester... Tweety, hmm. and they're just babies. Yeah, I, I don't think I want that season to says from Warner Brothers. I yeah, from the Mets though. I'd I feel like that. Oh, hang I would. I would wear that like a badge of honor. I'd probably frame it and just fucking post it right over my desk or something, just to uh, as a reminder that the Mets are soft as baby shit if they ever did that. No, I would put that. That's one we can go and, and put it on a, on a one of the T Public shirts, and it's just the <laughs> it's just a picture of the season desist. <laughs> from the New York Mets on a t-shirt. Oh my, I'd wear that all the time. I'd wear it out, yeah. I, I would love to wear that out just, with my Yankees hat, just, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see the wording of it. It's like, uh, the New York Mets feel you've gone over the line in posting their logo superimposed onto bug, baby Bugs Bunny's head. <laughs> <laughs> and I would love to send a copy of that to Jared Klenick's mom. oh classic outstanding all right and that was meet the mets and and always entertaining um but staying in new york with your manager i'm claiming he's my manager now too uh aaron boone with an absolute all-time ejection arguing balls and strikes and (laughs) Were you watching this live? I was, yeah. Oh, my God. I bet that had to be awesome live. This was as good as it gets. So watching it live was great. Um, I remember I was was actually at work when it was happening. I was watching it on my desktop. And, um, again, like, watching it live, it was great. But we didn't see what the audio was. And I couldn't really blast it in the office. So uh, I saw, like, I obviously I tried to read lips. And I I saw some F-bombs, obviously. Yeah. But I think what really cemented it as the, you know, what everyone's talking about right now, why it went so viral is because after the audio comes out and you hear what Boone's saying was just gorgeous. And it fired up the whole team that, like, this is the perfect ejection, the perfect way to inspire your players. And Boone is my favorite manager, like, my, maybe my favorite Yankees manager, and I see really? Joe Torre. I, yeah, I saw Joe Torre, and I mean Girardi was yeah whatever. But I think this might put him over the top. Obviously, I need some rings, but right now in the present, this is awesome. I'm I am so hyped on the Boone train right now. Yeah, I, like I said, even I'm on the Boone train. That was outstanding. All right, so if you had to go through and uh, 
pick a a a, a pop a top moment of that uh, of that argument. Let me. What do you got? Because I I got one, and I, th- I it's not an Aaron Boone moment moment. I think the my favorite moment wasn't from Boone either. Is when you saw the camera pan to the dugout and Gardner was just, just like beating the, the fuck, fuck out, out of the dugout. Yeah, but when he started hitting the bat on the ceiling of the dugout, <laughs> that was like, mine looked, too. Dude, he looked like he was trying to tell the neighbors upstairs that yeah, they're playing yes. the music too loud. Yes. Like just kept banging it up, and then right after when like when Boone gave uh, Miller a little bit more flack and. Brennan Miller, rookie ump, you feel so bad for Only him, his but... fifth game behind the plate. Yeah, getting tossed at Yankee Stadium like that. That's got to fucking leave a lasting mark on him. But I think the way he threw him out, too, it was so, like... Get out, you know, Aaron! Yeah, just such, like, oh, God. Like, he knew he was, like, oh, I don't... I don't. It was, like, no conviction behind him throwing him out. I am not the alpha in this situation. Yeah, he was a beta boy for sure, because then Boone came out of the dugout and just put him in his fucking place. Yeah. Um, did you see the the Sports Center remake of it? No, I missed that. Oh my god, it was incredible. So basically Kenny Maine was trying to uh basically like recap the situation like they do on Sports Center and like John Bujagross <laughs> kept interrupting him and arguing like uh what's his name like Boone was oh my it was it was nothing short of incredible it was it was one of my favorite it's one of the best things to hit twitter.com that I've ever seen yeah no that that sounds amazing so I'll definitely check that out after this I'll see if uh, I can find it right now and and kind of just have a weak weak audio of it um, yeah if I could remember no, my that- Twitter password to log in on the on the computer here. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm going on my I think, phone. I think the best, the just the best part of hit, like Boone's exchange with him, though, when he was arguing with him, was comes out immediately, gives the props to Trinos. Um, that guy's a good pitcher. He goes, yeah, he's a good pitcher. My guys are fucking savages in that. Oh, place. an all-time line with fucking savages. Just All right, amazing. Here is Kenny Mayne and John Bouchergross argue, arguing back and forth about it. The Yankees manager Aaron Boone thought the umpiring could have been better. He was quite demonstrative in his verbal attack against home plate umpire. Miller. Let's go, Kenny Mayne. Let's go. <laughs> bad start. Really bad start. Bear the f- down. <laughs> uh, Brennan Miller's strike zone, by the way, was more liberal than that I employed when I called balls and strikes in girls softball. Forty-five years later. Kathy Pagney now knows I struck her out on a ball two feet outside. Let's go, Maine. Deaver and Weimer have been savages in that control room. That guy's a good cameraman. He's a good floor director. Let's go. Terrible start. Continuing here, Boone had already been tossed by Miller, who was in just his fifth game behind the plate when Boone came onto the field to get his money's worth. Now, the ex-Yankee manager, now MLB exec Joe Torrey. Tighten the up. You've been terrible. I feel bad for you. I really do. Tighten the up. So Tory made the call to Boone today to inform him he'd been suspended one game and fine. It's not clear if Boone would have escaped punishment had he not made contact with the umpire with one of his finger jabs or if the profane language would have been enough. So here he is. You're wearing more makeup than Matt Barry. At least you don't color your hair like Randy Scott. <laughs> so... So I ask you, 
Is that some of the best stuff that sports centers come out with in quite some time? Because I, yeah, I vote yes. Yeah, that's that's that might be the best they ha- they've had in the last fifteen years. Yeah. So credit Butcher Gross on the tweet uh, at Butcher or Butchie, uh John Butcher Gross at Butcher Gross Butchie Maine on Twitter. Um, <laughs> product of Heidelberg University, Sandusky, Ohio. Shout out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, f- uh, you got you gotta love it. Just amazing. So uh, good. Just outstanding shit. Um, I hope that doesn't catch us a cease and desist from ESPN because that'd be bad news. No, no, no. We gave him credit. We're good. <laughs> Fair use. I mean, yeah, duh. Yeah, it's, it's on Twitter, so fuck it. <laughs> oh. All right, I'm going to go off script here uh, from our uh, rundown real quick. The Indians and the Blue Jays are playing on YouTube right now. What are what? your thoughts on this? The, the only way to watch the game live is to tune into YouTube and watch this thing. The game's in the 10th inning, and there's literally only there's 178,000 people tuning in, which that's kind of cool. You get a live ticker. Um, and Francisco Lindor flies out to center. Fuck. Um, I, thought he, I thought I was about to call live call a home run on the air. That would raw. Um, <laughs> but uh, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, that's, that's weird. Actually, it's, it's not totally, um, different from what the NFL did with the Yahoo game. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I think that was last year they did the Yahoo streaming game. That was a London game though. Yeah, I guess. uh, Yeah, that's weird. weird Like this is literally a a Tuesday in July. Yeah. That's a strange time to do it. With the Indians and the Blue Jays. Like what the fuck? Yeah, there's not much of a history between the Indians and the Blue Jays that I know of. But no, there's not. The yeah, si- the so, 16 AL- ALCS. That's it. Yeah, like that's not enough. Um, and yeah, it's weird. I don't. I don't think that's a great marketing move. I didn't even know it was they were doing that. So clearly, they didn't really market it much at all. Yeah. Um, especially on YouTube because I'm on YouTube every day and I didn't see anything huh. to promote this. So. Interesting. I saw a couple snippets here and there, but I, I didn't realize it'd be the only place to watch the game. Like neither local station is carrying it. Yeah, that's weird to me because I didn't see one fucking thing about this. Yeah. All right, back to Boone. Um, what are some of the the best ejections when when you when what comes to mind for you? I think my favorite was Lou Pinello when he was on the Cubs. Um, came out through his hat at the umps. Walked around third base, and it like he obviously was losing his mind. And then from that moment, fans started throwing shit on the field along with their own hats. And it got to the point where Pinello was ejected immediately. Um, definitely got his money's worth there. <laughs> and they actually had to bring the grounds crew out and have a delay to clean up all the shit that was thrown on the field. So That's that was, outstanding. But I think, I mean, in classic Lou Pinella fashion, because he wasn't a great manager, they ended up losing the game. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was definitely the one that I always think of when I think about ejections and, you know, great moments. But that was just great because the fans had a part to play in that as well, which I think is hilarious. That's awesome. Um, I'm a big fan. It's it's not an MLB one, but there's a, there was a series on YouTube. Uh, it was called Playing for Peanuts. And there was this uh uh independent league team called the peanuts and their manager's just a fucking psycho uh 
and he's a fucking savage. Oh uh, no, he's beyond a fucking savage. <laughs> this dude's just, just literally legitimate psycho. Like he gets tossed, he's f bombing the up, and then he goes in the dugout and just chucks a bucket of balls onto the field. <laughs> so there's baseballs everywhere. Then he goes and it's like a catcher's bag and it's filled with baseball bats. And one by one, he chucks these things onto the field. <laughs> <laughs> and at the one point he's like throwing them towards the plate and he just yells look out catcher and he waits for the catcher to move and he just tomahawks one at the plate <laughs> oh my god oh dude it. and then there's the dude in the from the mississippi braves that army crawled out to the mound and <laughs> oh, yes. and, and threw the rosin bag like a grenade and yep. it literally in the same uh in the same at bat, he uh, he cover. Or, sorry, in the same uh, what's it called? Ejection. He covers up the plate with dirt, draws a giant new plate. <laughs> <laughs> like you just gotta love it. Some of the stuff, no, some of the stuff these managers come up with is absolutely fantastic. And like me coaching baseball, like never in a million years would I think to to do that. Well, it gives you more material now. Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, I've tried to get my money. Or like, I've only gotten tossed once, and I didn't, I didn't get my money's worth on it. Nah. Um, but, like, I've, I got close a couple times this year. I told I told umpire he was a child. <laughs> uh, he can't. He come and eat, like, uh, he's like, get back in your dugout, coach. And he, he said it like an asshole. I was like, I was like, talk to me like an adult. He's like, act like an adult. I'm like, good one. <laughs> I go. I, I didn't curse at you. I didn't come out hot. I'm talking to you sternly. What are you, a child? <laughs> oh boy. Then you got thrown out. No, it didn't get tossed. Wow. Yeah. Oh, look at you. Yeah, I, I got I got a leash like Lou Pinella. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Christ. Yeah. Seriously. Speaking of covering up home plate, uh, Brad Osmus, another great <laughs> instance. Oh, of outstanding. Use his jacket. We uh, put it on top of home plate, just like. Fuck your zone. Throw over this jacket. All right, staying with that, if we're talking about disguising things, how about Bobby Valentine <laughs> coming back in with the fucking nose and glasses? <laughs> that was, honestly, that was the best. Like, as far as just taking it to the next level. That oh, was my gosh. Amazing. Like, that's not, I think the difference between Valentine doing something like that, that's like, he's a prop comic at that point it's, <laughs> it, it has nothing to do with like team morale he's clearly just looking for a reaction so i almost just spit like take bud light orange all over the computer screen <laughs> it's like carrot top doing a fucking bit <laughs> it's like so polar opposite from aaron boone just coming out like fucking 300 just screaming like this is sparta we are fucking savages. <laughs> You got Bobby Valentine just going into his bag of tricks, pulling out a fucking disguise and sitting on the bench until he gets caught. That's outstanding. So All right, two extremes. Going back to the YouTube, they have six games planned that will be live on YouTube. That's weird. So, Tigers Angels on the 29th, uh, Cardinals Dodgers August 7th, Phillies Giants August 8th, uh, Twins Brewers August 14th, Rockies D-backs August 21st. Braves Rockies August 26th. So a weird little experiment by Major League Baseball here. Nice play, Greg Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think it actually makes sense when you list those teams um, using like some of the smaller market teams that probably don't get a lot of exposure as it is. True. This is somewhat of like a promo for them. So I kind of understand that now um, because it's not like they're putting them on the, the world stage, like the London series with the Sox and the Yankees. So this is probably just a nice little pilot for them to see what the viewership would look like. And it also gives, you know, fans out of market a different chance to see some different teams. Counterpoint to that. Um, the Indians have some of the best local TV ratings in baseball, and you're just taking a game away from them right now. That's a good point, too. That's actually that's a good point, because that's like the Yankees, because they get everything on Yes Network, if they were to lose those games, because that's like they have a whole network dedicated to the Yankees. So I'll say, what is Yes outside of Yankees baseball? Um, they do like some stuff with, I want to say, the Nets and... There's some soccer stuff they do too. Okay. Um, but it really all comes back to the Yankees. Gotcha. In some some way or another. Gotcha. But yeah, like that's the thing with me is like when you take out a game, like I'm fine with experimenting on YouTube and, and letting you know people in Tulsa watch a game that's that wouldn't normally be seen. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you're taking away these local TV. I don't know. I'm torn on it. Yeah, no, I understand. There's always a double-edged sword when MLB pulls this shit. Because yeah. there's no, like, crazy TV deal like other sports where there's a channel that just plays them, right? Um, and there's so many games. So, yeah, you, you lose that opportunity to be able to just kind of watch it how you usually watch it. So I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. All right, but speaking of Brad Osmus and his, uh, his last stint as a manager, what the fuck are the Tigers doing here at the trade deadline? So you and I spoke about this before recording, but the Tigers, like Al Avila, Avila, I think. Avila. Yeah, Avila. Um, he might be one of the worst GMs in the sport. Um, <laughs> uh, like, sorry, Al, uh, but this is like, he just doesn't really understand how to gauge his value of his players, I, I don't think. Because remember, a couple of years ago, traded J.D. Martinez to the Diamondbacks, and they got fleeced in that deal. They yeah. got a very, very minimal return. And it's like, well, obviously Martinez went on to have an amazing season, signed a great deal with the Red Sox the following offseason, and now he's one of the best hitters in the game. But to just kind of see that happen, and now it's like he remembers that very fondly, that the day he got fucked. Um, because now... <laughs> He's looking at players like Castellanos, Shane Green, and Matt Boyd as like his top three trade ships that he has this year. Yeah. And not to take anything away from those three, but none of them are on the level that J.D. Martinez was when he got traded. So just to narrow it down to Boyd in particular, so the asking price for Matt Boyd when it was revealed and and, uh, it was leaked that the Tigers asked the Yankees for Glaber Torres and more in a deal to get Matthew Boyd. So I can only imagine how quick Brian Cashman hung up the phone after he <laughs> heard that shit come out of his mouth. So, and to put it in perspective, Boyd, uh, just why he has no business asking for that type of return. And this isn't on Boyd, this is on Avila, but just to, to show you how bad Boyd has been um, compared to you know what he should be asking for. In his last seven starts, so this is over a month now, he's 1-4 with a 6.17 ERA. He's given up 48 hits and 42 innings. Dang. Like that, if that's, if that's going to be the elite 
you're asking for an elite package for a guy that is pitching to a sixth ERA. That like that's then I would yeah. you know you know what what's it going to cost to get Scherzer? You know like <laughs> those, you got to like put it in perspective. Like Matthew Boyd is not an elite pitcher and it's catching up with him. He has a four ERA in the season now. He's looked very vulnerable. He gives up home run balls. He does nothing extraordinarily well. He strikes out a lot of batters, which is great, but what good are the strikeouts if you're letting up all these runs? Mm-hmm. So there's just, I mean, I understand trying to get the most for what you have, but you have to be realistic. And if GMs have this type of asking price, I can't imagine that they're going to get the desired outcome in the end anyway. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, realistic is the, is the best word to describe it. And I think, I think, you know, we, you and I talked about the potential for panic deals we're not in panic territory yet. No. So to have this to have this be your opening asking price is is foolish if you ask me. And I understand the notion of trying to ask for the moon, um, but it has to be to your like in some sense of realism around it, right? I get it if they, if Avila's like you know what Boyd is an attractive piece. He has three years of team control left. He's young. He's having a great season. Um, we, we, we need to get as much as we can for him. I understand that completely, but I don't think it's like, I don't know if he was coming off a bender when he called Cashman, <laughs> but to just, you know, sit there and say, I want Gleyber Torres. Like, no, that's not going to happen. That's like, you can't ask for something that greatly exceeds the one player that you're asking for in return and then have the balls to ask for even more after that too. So yeah. I just don't understand the line of thinking, and yeah, when when GMs get a whiff of that and they say, "Okay, well, fuck it," like we don't, because they know the Tigers want to deal Boyd. This is not this is not a great tactic for leverage. Everyone knows the Tigers suck and they're trying <laughs> to get pieces. Like I was like, you're not bribing these guys; they want to give him away. Yeah, like no one's. I don't think anyone's banging down the door for Matthew Boyd to the point where Avila can ask for anything like that. I think people want him, but they want him at their price. And yeah. this is, it's like, it's almost like they panicked when they when they had the ball in their court. They're the ones that panicked and said, "Well, we want Glavered." Like, no, that's not how fucking trades work. Everyone yeah. knows you're trying to unload this guy, so you need to let the market dictate itself, and you can't just start going out like that. And it sucks for them that it got leaked and it got you know, revealed of what was asked because if none of us know that, then I'm sure it's a different story. But because we know that we have this narrative to fil- to form around now. Fair. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, what about Nick Castellanos? He's another name that's been floated around uh, for the Tigers. You know, we talk about them being sellers. Castellanos has been vocally done with Detroit for a while. Um, Saying a while ago, he said he wouldn't mind if he got traded. Now, going as far as saying this place is a joke. Yeah, no, that's uh, this is a recipe for disaster. And I think Castellanos, this is honestly probably the smarter play on his end because he knows that he has the best chance to get traded right now. He's on. He's going to be a free agent next year. He's still young enough. I think he's 27, 28. So he's still young enough where, you know, he's an attractive piece. Teams want him. Um, the problem with him is going to be, and it, uh, obviously this is a product of the team he plays for, he only has 36 RBIs uh, on the season. And I completely understand playing in Detroit's lineup. You have no protection there. Uh, Miguel Cabrera isn't Miguel Cabrera anymore. I couldn't tell you who else makes up that lineup 
aside yeah. from maybe like Jacoby Jones or um, Nico Goodrum. Who they, is uh is Josh Harrison healthy? I don't think so. I know he's. I know Detroit signed him, yeah. but is he healthy and in that lineup? Regardless, the fact that we're struggling this hard is is, is proving our point. Yeah. So I think Castellanos is the most likely to be traded just due to the fact that he's going to be a free agent. He's a rental. Um, teams know that they don't have to give up the world and more to get him. And by um, him saying fuck Detroit like this, yeah. um, he's driving down his asking price. And, oh, Indians lose. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> You're good. Um I thought Justin Smoke hit a smash between third and short, and I thought uh, Jose loved it, but he just deflected into the outfield and ball game. No. Um, so that was fun. That was a cool ex- watching experience on you. Actually, not even bullshitting. That was kind of fun watching on YouTube while we do the podcast. I'm cool with that. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. I can understand that. That being said, if we weren't doing the podcast and I wasn't, you know, forced in front of a computer right now, I'd be pissed. Yeah. Or like yeah. Watching on your phone or something. Yeah. Uh, but an interesting for a day game, like, uh, excuse me, a couple of those games mixed in there, um, in that that game of that stretch of seven that I was saying, the, a couple of them are day games. So if I'm at the office, just throw YouTube on. Even if I just throw them on my headphones, like, um. I know El Jefe has talks about he throws on headphones during work all the time. And if, you, if I can just throw on a baseball game in the background, yeah, I'm doing no, that. That's... I'm doing that 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I do that a lot too. Not the headphones. I just have it kind of playing in the back so I don't get too distracted. But because um, I can't go complete fucking savage and just start. Just blaring. Just full volume yeah. YouTube. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that, would be, that would be hilarious though. I had a dude that did that at work, and I just I hated him. He would just watch <laughs> he would watch YouTube videos at full volume. All right, so quick side story. It's just awesome for the pod. Um, <laughs> fucking, I'm a big fan of uh of Katie Nolan on ESPN. Okay. And she had a she has her podcast, and she also had has her show on ESPN or ESPN Plus, whatever it is. And like on her podcast, she was like, "If you have a work issue, like." Like, we're going to do a segment, da, 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 call this number and leave a voicemail. And I left this voicemail just absolutely bitching about a coworker and how much I hate him. And, like, I was like, so do you have any advice on, like, because, like, I work as a gym teacher and, like, he he's, like, assists with me. And he's like, he was like, do you have any advice on how, uh, how to deal with this guy without strangling the kids we teach? And... They fucking, first of all, they used it, which is awesome. Second of all, it was with, like, this, like, famous soccer player who I can't even name, which just says the state of soccer in the United States. But, uh, and, like, he, he, like, answered it seriously, and I just meant the thing as a joke. Oh, my God. And he was like, sit down and have conversation with him. <laughs> I'm like, this is not how I meant this, but all right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> think there's a fucking murderous gym teacher on the loose it's about to be if i have to work with him again this year oh boy <laughs> get a cease and desist from the school i guess too apparently all right sticking with the tigers uh how about shane green 
Shane Green is interesting to me. Um, this year, so I, I saw Shane Green, obviously, when he was on the Yankees that one year before they flipped him to Detroit, and he never really impressed me much. Uh, he's still, I'm still very wary of him, and the reason being is he's having a great year this year, uh, sub-2 ERA, 1.25 to be exact, and he's closing games for them. And I, I, I think he actually no nah, I, I don't want to say that because I'm not entirely sure I think he's perfect on save opportunities but I got I'll uh, look it up right now and double check it but keep going yeah but the thing that really worries me about him is he's not a prototypical closer his stuff really translates more as like a specialist he's a ground ball guy he has an amazing ground ball rate which is awesome um, he's essentially like a poor man's Britain when Britain was a closer for the Orioles. He will force a lot of ground balls. He pitches to contact, and he lets his defense pick him up. But the problem with that is, like, as a closer, what you want is a guy that can come in and just whiff people. You need a guy that can just be overpowering to batters, make them feel uncomfortable. And I just don't think Green has that type of arsenal at his disposal. Um, again, I don't watch every Tigers game because I don't care to. Um <laughs> But I think from what I've seen of Green in the past and what I've seen in just highlights and everything of that nature, he's not anyone that I would I would try to break down the door for. I think he's going to get dealt. Um, I, I know that the Tigers want to deal him, obviously. They want to deal all these guys. But his career numbers, he has a 4.5 career ERA. Again, like that's that goes with the nature of pitching to contact the way Green does. You know, the Phillies have had conversations to get him, also Matt Boyd, so I can't imagine what they would have to give up to get both of those guys in a deal. Yeah. If Avila is still trying to, you know, play who's going to blink first in this, but... Um, <laughs> He's at playing some trade point, chicken. Yeah, seriously, like, but I just... The Tigers pieces, aside from Cassianos, and Cassianos has his own problems with glove, uh, he cannot field. It's like essentially trading for Clint Frazier, who's been in the league longer. Um, is the way like I would categorize that. But all these guys have essentially shown you what their ceiling is, but the floor is so low that to the point where it's like, do I really want to invest in them? And I think the Tigers know that on some level, which is why they're trying to capitalize now, and I get that, but I don't think um, the offers are going to be exactly what Avila is looking for. Yeah, I, I would agree completely. Um but, you know, we talked about his – he's 22 of 25 in save opportunities. Okay, so he's dropped a few, but – Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still good numbers. It's just, you know, and this is to understand that he's that type of pitcher, that he's not a closer. Before this year, his best ERA was a 2-6, and that came in, in, in 2017. Yeah. He, he's posted ERAs of 6-8, 5-2, and 5-1. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how and much again, can you is, trust this to continue? Exactly. Because this isn't like a starter's sample size, right? Like, exactly. Is, it's 36 innings at work. Yeah, he's, he's pitching one inning at a time, maybe less. Um, so I And I, I, I wonder if the team, like the Phillies are an interesting team to me too because they need a closer. Um, and they're not looking for a, a guy like Giles. They're looking at Shane Green. So it kind of lets you know, like, they're, they're probably thinking we can get away with somewhat of a steal to get Green because not everyone values him as a closer. Mm-hmm. Because I, th- I think if he were to go to a different team, obviously he would kind of fill that setup spot or a bridge or a specialist role. 
but the Phillies being in talks, it's it's a, it's a weird dynamic. I'm interested to see what happens with it, but I'm not. You know, I think the Phillies think they're smarter than they're letting on, and I think the Tigers know that. So it's just to your point, trade chicken. I, we'll see who blinks first here, but none of these guys are typically appealing to me, um, in, in any sense of the word. It's just you know, you have decent guys, decent trade chips, but none of them are are going to get the haul that they think they're going to get for them. Realistically, because I, I this is a probably a very very dumb question, but um, what when we're looking at ERA plus, which is 100 times the league ERA over ERA, and it's yeah. adjusted for players' ballpark, what is a good number there? Because his, his ERA plus this year is 382, 382, which yeah. is exponentially higher than any number he's ever posted but i don't know if that's good or bad i would assume you know what i mean like that's the problem with some of these new age stats because like last year he posted an 86 right now he's at 382 right no okay okay wait looking at this it makes sense you want a higher number okay because in the years he's had an ERA over over five, he's been in double digits. In the year he's been below five, uh, he's been triple digits. So that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. So you want a higher number here. But he's on pace for a career low in whip, a career high in strikeouts per nine, a career best in strikeouts per walk, a career best in... Uh, he's on pace... To be a second best FIP of his career. So the numbers are trending better. Um, he's given up. This is an interesting stat. I'm guessing. I don't have the exact situations. But just looking at it. It would make sense. He's given up five home runs. And five earned runs. 11 runs overall. But five earned and five homers. So you think those solar ho- solo homers are his only earnings? Uh, potentially, yeah. It sounds like it because if he's given up five and only five are earned, then yeah, that probably lines up correctly. That's pretty cool. Um, no, I mean that's not... cool, but it's it's a weird anomaly, I think. But yeah, yeah, it it's a weird thing because I mean, again, ground ball pitcher. This is, I mean, that's good if you're scouting for a guy like that. Um, but you know, it's the thing that really worries me about him is his strikeout numbers are so bad. Um, yeah, and it's not what you want out of a closer. No, not at all. Like I can't imagine any team would say they want. Like, who's that guy? I he used to close for the Braves too at one point. His name is uh, Jim Johnson. Um, same type of deal here, where he would just come in and he was shaky, but you know that was the option they had, and they went with him. He had a lot of he had a shit ton of saves one year, but again, it's you know there's anomalies everywhere. And the thing that would really worry me if I'm buying into Shane Green as a team. If you look at his career numbers, going from, you know, I think he had a 5 ERA last year down to a 1.2 right now, like, the regression's going to set in at some point, mm-hmm. and this is just not something I want to hitch my wagon to. Yep, couldn't agree more. Um, and with that, I wonder, uh, like, do you, could, could a team acquire him but not as a closer? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think that's that's. Why I think that's a pretty good involved. move. That'd be a pretty yeah. good move for one of these contenders, and, and just do this as, as a sure up to like a set a setup man for your closer, because like, 
Um, like to your point, the ground ball pitcher is not a uh, a prototypical closer. No, you want a guy that can just mow down in the ninth inning. So to to go out and and get a guy that's a ground ball pitcher and have him be your closer doesn't make too much sense to me. No, and I think that's why I'm like kind of a little are perplexed, I guess is the right word, for why the Phillies are involved right now, where, you know, they need a closer. That's It's no secret that they need a guy that can step into the ninth inning. Robertson hasn't worked out for them, so they need that guy if they want to make a run, and I just don't think Shane Green is where I want to start. I'd want to start at the top, which is, in this case, Giles, mm-hmm. and maybe Will Smith. But I wouldn't start with a guy like Shane Green. He'd be a fallback for me, if anything. And I don't know if maybe they've tried reaching out to the Giants and, and the Blue Jays to see what the asking price is on those guys. We don't know because we just don't. We're not privy to those conversations, obviously. But mm-hmm. I can't imagine that. As so a here's GM, a le- I'd, I'd start with Shane Green. Here's a legitimate question, and <clears throat> maybe this is extremely foolish, and it probably is. But <laughs> is it possible? that um, the the Phillies or whomever is looking at Shane Green but not Ken Giles is not in seriousness but kind of tongue-in-cheek playing that MLB The Show trade finder kind of where, you know, I need a closer, he's available, maybe the prices will match up. So maybe we don't go get the best available, but, you know, we just kind of find a guy to plug and play. Or do you think these guys, like, if a team's going to make a move for a closer right now, they're going to try and go get the best guy? What do you think? See, I think there's there's two things to that, and I I like what you're saying because I think it could be a potential, you know, some. I mean, obviously it's trade season. Everyone's trying to screw the other party over um, in, in any deal they're making. But to your point there, when you think about the Phillies, they're, it's reminiscent of just having, like, a shit farm system right now because – Philly doesn't know how to do the offseason. They signed these bloated contracts. They made a bunch of trades. They got rid of their best prospects. They brought in Real Muto, uh, Segura. So, I mean, they, they've definitely thinned out the farm system. So, I don't know. if may, And maybe the thinking on their end is that we don't have the necessary assets to make a deal to get a Giles or a Will Smith, and we have to start with Shane Green. But, again, to that whole, you know, MLB The Show trade finder, uh, computer simulation type of shit, on their thinking, it's, you know, maybe I can get a steal here and start with Shane Green to see what the market looks like before going higher to see if I have the necessary mm, pieces in the end. That's true. I could so, see it. Yeah, I, this, I, that's my two cents. This time of year, like you said, it's so interesting and everybody's trying to screw each other over and it just makes it so much fun. Oh, yeah, 100%. To just sit, sit back and watch this shit as a fan. Oh yeah, especially when it's not your team making the dumb moves. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, no, which is great. All right. Um, speaking of, uh, of of potential moves, uh, what do we think about Madison Bumgarner? We talked about him last week. Uh, you know, everybody made fun of my reaction to you calling him uh, <laughs> butt pussy or whatever the fuck you said. Madison butt pussy. Yeah, just absolutely fucking put my head in a pretzel. <laughs> What do you think about 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 Mad Bum right now? Fun fact about the butt pussy line. That's actually my brother's fantasy baseball team name. Quality name. Amazing name. So I can't take 
100% credit for that, but I, I love that I put that on the airwaves. Um, <laughs> however, getting back on track here to, uh, I'll say Madison Bumgarner for now. Um, getting back on track here, though. The thing, this is interesting because I think you called it last week when we talked about potential targets who might move and, and what we thought. And I was all in on Bumgarner leaving San Francisco. And I was, you know, I was very adamant on that. And, of course, you know, a week goes by and you got to love baseball because now the Giants have a winning record and they're, I think, two games out of a wild card spot. So from the Giants' perspective... It may, and I understand the whole, you know, Bruce Bochy's last season, um, GM's new, but he, he wants to respect the fan base, and I understand he wants to gain the fan base trust. So it's a weird situation that you have here. It's, you know, it's a changing of the guard in one sense that you want to try to keep things the same for the fans' sake, but at the same time, it's, you know, if I'm a GM and I'm coming into the situation, I have attractive trade pieces right now. I know in my heart of hearts that the Giants aren't a good team and they're likely not going to be in the playoffs. But you're kind of forced into a corner now. It's, okay, so I have Madison Bumgarner ready to go for a trade. He has a no-trade clause. I'm pretty sure he would waive it if he could go somewhere. That's a, a real legit contender. But now it's, you know, you have to play the, the game of thinking with your heart, and do I keep him here because I know that the fans love him, and I know he loves playing in San Francisco. But the return you could probably get for him now, obviously, if you let him walk in free agency, you get nothing for him. Um, so the return now is what you have to weigh your options against. And right now, it's just the way it looks. I, I, I'm with you, Tommy. I don't, I don't think he's going to be traded um, at this point. Yeah, I, I, I stand by what I said. I think he's gonna. They're gonna stay fast and and just say we don't get the right price. We're gonna just dig our heels in and and let them burn here in uh in in the bay. Uh, what about Will Smith? Will Smith, I think, could still get traded because I, th- again, this, I mean, th- the Giants aren't a good team. We know that. As just looking from the outside, they're not a great team. There's no way they're catching the Dodgers. I know they've played really well the last couple months, twenty nine and sixteen since June. But you have to look at the competition they've played as well, and, and that's a big one. Um, but Will Smith, I think, makes sense for them to still trade. They actually have a pretty good bullpen. Um, so they're not actually losing a lot of depth there if they were to move him. And I think it, it plays to that GM role there where, you know, new GM has to try to accumulate prospects. Their farm system ranks in the bottom third as it stands today. They need prospects. Jeez. They need bodies. So Will Smith can probably get you a decent return. He's a free agent too, so you want to get you want to make sure that you get a return on some of these guys. I just think it's too much of a franchise-altering move right now with the whole Bochi drama going on that if I were to move mm-hmm. both of these guys, it's essentially waving the white flag. If I move one of them, I try to retool on the go a little bit, plug someone else in that closer role, and you even saw that a couple other guys have been getting more save opportunities. That's not Will Smith, and I think the Giants are preparing for that life after Smith. Um, so they're kind of tipping their hat that Will Smith yeah. is still available. I think Bumgarner stays now just in terms of the narrative that's going on in, in San Francisco and just everything that's around that. I think Bumgarner will stay. Smith will go. Perhaps another member of that bullpen would, would go too, but I just can't imagine that they'd do something that crazy just because of everything going on. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And, and um, hmm. I'm trying to figure out some, some potential suitors for Will Smith. 
I mean, probably. I mean, we talked about the Phillies potentially. Uh, who else needs a closer? You think? So maybe not even a closer, but a super reliever. Um, yeah. You know, I think any team could use Will Smith as it stands, or any contender could. Um, I've seen him linked to the Rays. I think he'd be a really, really good fit on the Rays. Hmm. Um, which is, you know, that would be terrifying as a Yankees fan if he were to go there. Um, the Yankees obviously are another. Seeing Tampa as buyers just seems weird, right? Weird. Really fucking weird. But that's the world we live in now. So yeah. <laughs> um, the, the Cubs Tampa, are another one. Tampa too. Bay is competent. What the fuck? Yeah, but I think the Cubs are a good spot for Smith. The Dodgers make a lot of sense. Any team where there's only one or two relievers are I, I guess upper sh- top shelf relievers um, I think you know the Super Bowl pen obviously dictates how people build their teams now so any team that is looking for more help in that area and the scary thing is if he goes to a team like the Rays or the Yankees who already have like you know all-star bullpens it's how does he fit but also how do you na- like how do you as a team going up against that all right, great. You can get knock our pitcher out after the fifth inning. We only need five innings out, out of him now, and now we can yeah. just turn it over to you know five X closers and just <laughs> have at it. I would say like that's that's, that's the crazy thing about uh, these super bullpens, like you said, is the game becomes five innings because yep. if if even if you do knock there, like even from the uh, the other side, you just think yeah, let's let me get five out of my starter. Exactly. I, I don't I don't need you to go deep into a ball game. I don't need a complete game out of my pitcher. Just gut five. Give me two times through the order. Yep. So you're essentially doing the reverse opener at that point. It's just Yeah. You know, you're you're letting your starter get two times through the lineup, maybe three if if he's pitching well. Um, but then you throw a new look at him every inning after that. And the great thing about that is every arm stays fresh if they're only pitching one inning at a time. So you can understand why the Yankees have been so successful with that model in the last few years, why the Royals won a World Series with that model back in 2015, and why it seems like every team that we're seeing now is starting in the back end of the bullpen and moving towards the starting rotation. It's Mm -hmm. a weird, weird dichotomy to what we've seen in the past where you start with an ace and you move from there. It's almost like we're looking at the end of the game as the most valuable part to strengthen your team. And I think that's why Smith will have a great market. Any reliever that's on the market this this trade deadline will have a great market. And teams are relishing that opportunity right now because that's how teams are, are building right now. They want as many bodies as they can in that bullpen. Yeah. They want elite arms. They want quality over quantity. And right now they're having both at the same time. So it's a weird era of baseball where we're seeing like the super reliever start to make its his name as more than just you know a guy that comes in for mop up or to keep a lead it's like all right these are these are our aces we have six of them now yeah and and just point blank do you like this era of baseball or do you prefer it the other way i like it just because i love it yeah i like it because i think the results are they speak for themselves right And, and not just the opener stuff it's you know shortening the game you really put the onus on your lineup now to score early and you're seeing a lot more offense in the in the early part of the games because teams know that if I have to face a starter and I can knock him out get to the bullpen earlier 
then I have a better chance, obviously, than mm -hmm. waiting too long because then you're right. It's murderer's row from there. From the sixth inning on for the Yankees, it's you know pick your poison. You have Ottavino, Canely, uh, Britton, Chapman. Batances hasn't even pitched this year. I mean, it, it, it really becomes a, a numbers game in that sense where how do I even go through this team now? Because if they're throwing CeCe at me, all right, here's my chance. I, I can pounce. I have four innings realistically to get through this. If I can't knock them out of the game, I'm fucked. Like, that's, which, that's, that's the thinking. Yeah, and, and which, from a gambling perspective, like we've talked about many times on this on this pod, um, makes those those first fives really fun to play. Yeah, no, it's, and for the fans, like, as a fan, just being able to watch that, because I think it actually produces more offense in the early part of the game, and I have yeah. stats to back that up, but I feel like we see more more swings and more offense generated that way than mm -hmm. trying to wait out a pitcher to get to, like, the 100 pitch mark and then get to the bullpen. It's the opposite. I it's like, we got to pounce on him. I was just about to say, in this era of of, you know, careful pitch counts, it's funny that we see guys attacking and almost – not giving a shit about the pitch count because we got to attack early in the count and knock this dude out of the game. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, give me a team that uh, – a contender or a middle-of-the-road team that you think is going to surprise us by being sellers. What do you think? Ooh, that seller. Um, <clears throat> I guess you could pick anyone from the NL right now because I feel like they're all like just – still separated by like three or four games um but i'll stay i'm gonna go in the al and this i'm not i swear to god this is not my choice because i hate them but i think the red sox might potentially be a mini really sox. yeah i do um they have a pivotal series right now going on with the rays this is honestly this week this stretch from now until wednesday next week is going to be the like this is their season if they can't if they can't take you know five or six games in this stretch. Or I guess that's every game. If they if they can't split <clears throat> at least, then you're going to look at them making some decisions. And I don't <laughs> think it's going to be a major blow-up. I'm not saying they're going to trade Mookie Betts or anyone like that. I think what you'll see, though, is they're going to start fielding calls on some of those guys they have. Porcello is a name that comes to mind. He's a free agent next year, so he's an obvious trade candidate. David Price potentially could be dealt um, if I'm if I'm another team and I see those two guys are available and you know the Red Sox are not giving up, but they need to do what the Yankees did similarly in 2016 where we're good, we're not great, we need to retool and we'll be back next year. It's I think it could be a similar situation to that. Um, it, the interesting thing for me is if they are so far out of it because they're 10 games out as we record right now, from first play, it's going to be nine because it looks like the Yankees are not going to beat the Twins again. But if they're, you know, double digits, 10, 10 to 15 games out by the trade deadline, I think it's interesting because J J.D. Martinez can be a free agent next year. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they will trade him, but I'm just saying the phone would be off the fucking hook for Dombrowski if they if teams get a whiff that that guy's available. Yeah, and I think you, you have to entertain these offers. The Red Sox have a piss-poor farm system. They need more young talent. They are trying to sign Betts, Benintendi. They want these guys on contract extensions. They're going to be looking at the luxury tax. They need to try to unload some of this payroll, and I think that's the smartest way to do it without sacrificing the whole nucleus of your team. But you get what you can, 
And if you sell high now, then I think that might be the right direction to go. The problem with that is um, if the Red Sox choose to be sellers, I don't know. I don't. They're nine and a half games out. They're only a game and a half out of the wild card, though, out of that second wild card spot. Right. I, I don't think you can afford with being that close, and I don't see Oakland sustaining this pace they're at right now. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10, and I, I think they, they've kind of had to play above their station to, to be where they're at right now. I see Boston still being able to sneak in. But then you got you got Tampa right there as well, but I don't know. I I don't think that the wild card and getting into the postseason is is out of is like in punting range for the for the Red Sox. I don't think I don't think you punt on this year just yet by giving up a Martinez. So I know what you're saying completely. Um, the problem is so here's here's my thinking because my point of view and again I'm not Dombrowski. I'm not making any of these calls, so it doesn't matter what I say. That my own thoughts here, uh, not reflective of the Red Sox. Just want to let everyone know that. So. Um, <laughs> But in case we thought the Yankees team. fan was speaking for, for Red Sox Nation. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, going to fucking cease and desist from the city of Boston. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, if you look at it from that lens, right, they're a game and a half out of a wild card spot. It's the second wild card spot. You lose home field advantage. It's not, even, it's not a playoff game. It's a play-in game to get to that first series. That's how I look at it. Love that, really by the way. But that's, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Do I really think that this team, knowing that I'm going to be facing luxury tax issues, I'm not going to be able to re-sign everyone that I want. I can't, you know, I have a shit farm system. The future of my team, the window is closing. They won the World Series last year. It takes some pressure off of them where they're not chasing a ring right now. But it also causes that conundrum where do I value an opportunity to play a play-in game to get to the postseason officially, do I mortgage that type of return, or do I get do I mortgage that window? Yeah, that I game? see that. I can see that. So that's um, the, that's my thinking. But I, again, it's just you have to put in perspective. This is Boston. They're coming off a World Series, so to play devil's advocate on myself, I understand the fact that the fans would be rip shit if they saw that their team was starting to sell trade pieces off like that. Mm-hmm. All right, give me another team that you think is going to surprise us as a seller. I got one as a buyer. I think okay. the Card- I think the Cardinals are going to make some noise. Ooh, um, I do. I I think the Cardinals are going to make some noise right now. They're playing really well. Uh, that division is so close still. The Brewers, they're I think a half game out now of the wild card spot. The Cardinals have that se- have that second spot right now. They're only a couple games back of the Cubs. So. This is a situation where they look at it that I, they can get the division, so they can get that that first round buy-in, um, or they would get you know an opportunity to play anyway. The way they're playing right now, the way the National League is setting up, the Cardinals need a few things. They need bullpen help because they lost their closer. Obviously, they could probably use a starting pitcher, and it's debatable whether or not they would need another bat. I don't think that's as pressing as the pitching part of it. But I think if if the Giants were to punt on, you know, Madison, I almost said Pussy again, Jesus, I just said anyway. <laughs> but if they were to punt on Bumgarner, I think the Cardinals would have the prospects and they have the type of farm system where they could create an attractive offer to go to San Francisco and say, 
give us Baumgartner and Will Smith, and they walk away with that. And that's not a stretch to say that it could happen. I think they could also do the same thing with Stroman and Giles from Toronto. They're in a position where, and the Cardinals are just such a well, or like they're a really good organization. They just never seem to be out of it, even though we're looking at it as skeptics saying, do they have enough juice to pull this off? Because if they retool, add a couple pieces like that, they're right in the thick of it. And I think they have enough to actually take that division if they made a deal like that. Yeah. Um, the one, one team in my mind that pops out as a seller, what do you think about the Rangers? All this news coming out about Mike, Mike Miner today, there's a bunch of other names being thrown around, and a couple of them linked to Cleveland, like Danny Santana, mm-hmm. uh, and Miner linked to your Yankees, uh, a couple other uh, teams involved with Miner, potentially. What do you think about the Rangers at the deadline? What do you think you see them doing? So, if you asked me a week ago, I'd say that they were going to be light buyers. I, I never thought that they were going to go for it. Um, I just didn't think that they looked at it that way going into the season, and I don't think it changes their plans. But as it stands right now, this actually kind of helps them. It makes a decision a lot easier for them to make. I think all these names are fair game to be traded. I don't think all of them will be traded. I think that Miner is a – he's specifically Miner will probably be traded as the most likely be traded out of this group just because of the return they're going to get for him. Again, minor track record. If you look at his career numbers, this guy is not especially, uh, you know, he's not an ace type of, of arm, um, but he's definitely the best arm on the market right now, just in terms of the season he's having. He was an all-star. Um, and the and for the Yankees to be linked to him makes a lot of sense. The Yankees look for strikeout guys. They look for guys that pitch and you know, at or above league average in that in one category that they excel at. And for minor, it's strikeouts and spin rate on his fastball and breaking ball. So he makes sense in that sense. I I believe, though, if we look at the other names, like Danny Santana, I mean, he's having a career year. You want to trade him, but other teams, it goes back to the Castellanos thing. Other, other teams know that you're trying to unload him now. I think he would just sweeten the deal if you could throw him in with another guy. Uh, Pence, another one, you know, Coming off of a contract, he'll be a free agent again. Pence makes a lot of sense for a team like the Rays or an American League team where they can just DH him, um, give a little pop in the lineup Mm -hmm. so he could be traded. I don't think they're going to unload Jose Leclerc. He's too young. They have too much stock into him. They gave him an extension already. They had high hopes for him to be their closer of the future. I just don't think they're going to unload him just because he's had – you know, a struggle in the first half of the year. I, I think they keep him. But Miner and Pence are looking likely to be dealt. Um, so, it, it makes sense that, you know, the Rangers have a decent farm system. They have some things to be proud of for what they've done this year. I know they have the new ballpark coming next year. They want to have some star power there. But I think if I'm a fan of the Rangers and if I'm the front office – I look at it as it's a win-win. We got a new ballpark, fresh, you know, clean slate, so to speak. You can start anew, and people are going to go to the ballpark anyway because it's brand new. They have a decent fan base down there. We can start building a contender in our image without feeling that we have. And it's not like Mike Miner is, you know, Nolan Ryan. It's mm-hmm. this isn't a Madison Bumgarner situation where Miner means everything to the city of Dallas or Arlington, excuse me. But this isn't, you know, a situation like that. Mike Miner is a guy that is having an amazing year, but he has no track record of sustaining it. So trade him for what you can and get back a King's Ransom form and go from there. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. 
Um, and I, I don't know. This deadline. I think this deadline is going to be really, really interesting. It's interesting now because, you know, we can keep talking at, and just be pundits and skeptics, uh, skeptics on it, but we have no clue what the hell is going to happen, right? There's so like yeah. so many MLB trade rumors every day. It's like going to a brand new website. There's just so many fucking stories that keep coming out and teams being linked and where guys are going to go. It's just you, you can't keep up with it. And, and it goes back to the whole thing with this being an, an actual deadline this year. There's no waiver deadline mm-hmm. after in August. This is do or die. We know this is what we have to do. Um, so, yeah, I think – and it's funny because right now it's gone very quiet since a couple of deals last week. Uh, this is like the calm before the storm. And I think I, when we get to this weekend coming up, um, you're going to start seeing some deals get pushed through. I don't think Wednesday is going to be the busiest day. I actually think it's going to be like Monday and Tuesday because I think teams just want to get this shit over with. I don't, if I'm a team, I don't want to wait until the last minute at 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Like, I, I, I want to just get the deals through and make sure the physicals are all set. Like, there's a lot of shit that goes into it other than picking up the phone and just saying who you want. Yeah, um, and I think I think on top of that, I think guys are going to want to get the, do- the deals done earlier to avoid those last-minute overpay or oversell. Yeah, no, for sure, it, and it goes both ways, yeah. it's And we talked about it last week. I think um, it, there's panic in the sellers. I mean, look at the Tigers. That's the mm-hmm. best example of panic because they know everyone knows that they want to get rid of those guys, and they know that all those guys aren't worth what they're asking for. So they're going to panic, and I guarantee it's going to go both ways. The buyers on the other side, the Yankees are in desperate need of starting pitching. Uh, this twin series alone has made me extremely anxious about it, you know what the postseason would look like, how they would match up with a team like the Astros, so to speak. Like They don't have uh, two guys that I feel confident in matching up with Verlander and Cole right now. And I don't think there's I'm a just guy waiting. available. Yeah. I'm just waiting for you guys to, to, you know, step your game up and take a couple games off the Twins so so the Indians can to make ground. <laughs> I'm trying. Like, I'm every night I'm I'm looking for some runs. Like, <laughs> I, just, this the is Twins just score and score and score. Dude, I I mean, I don't watch the Twins a lot, but they keep saying how how good this lineup is and I mean, 1.9 home runs per game. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? Like yeah, I've seen. I seen. I think I've seen three tonight. Just I'm watching it while recording right now. I have it on the background, but Jesus Christ! Like the one nice, the one thing that I can take solace in with this this AL Central race right now is the the Twins firmly hear our footsteps. The Indians, not ours, but <laughs> um, like literally, like every night, uh, my one buddy has the MLB at bat. And, like, he's like, Indians will finish off the game and he'll flip on the Twins game. And it's almost instant. It's like, oh, the Indians finished off the blah, 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 and, and uh, we need this win tonight to, to maintain the lead. Like, they, they hear our footsteps, and, and we're coming. Yeah, no, for sure. It's funny, too, because the Twins seem like they, they're they playing with just reckless abandon, but they also, I mean, act like you've been there before. They yeah. I, I've never seen a more classless fucking team. Just the way they handle winning, like they beat the Yankees last night. They they came into that having 33 wins over the last like 10 years against the Yankees. Like, you got to win last night. They're acting. Like, Sheesh. 
I couldn't believe. And like the PA system is louder than a fucking heavy metal concert. Has anyone <laughs> noticed that? Like, just I, absolutely. I hadn't massive. noticed it until you said that, and now it is super loud. You are right. Like it's a fucking rock concert in there, and they play like Laughing Man after uh, the opposing pitcher like gives up a walk or something. It's like, dude, act like you fucking been there before. Yeah, which they haven't. So. No. Exactly. So they're letting it show. Oh, it's great. Hey, but if you're like me and you're tired of playing season-long fantasy and, and getting beat by the Madison bum pussies in season-long because you're married to injuries that happened to you in the first month, I want you to check out Thrive Fantasy. It's a new prop bet-based daily fantasy lineup game, and the concept's real simple. Just choosing over or an under for a player's given stats. Think, uh, you know, like Blake Snell earned runs or Joey Gallo runs plus RBIs, maybe like... Aaron Boone, managers bumped. Um, Aaron Boone f bombs, and, and you're gonna pick an over and under, and you're gonna combine one of the highest scoring lineups for that night. You're gonna cash in. Uh, the Thrive Fantasy app is located in the Apple and Google Play Store, and for the month of July, you receive a free $10 match when you deposit $10 through PayPal. So whether you're looking to play $2 games or $100 games. Thrive Fantasy has a match for you. Use our code BREAKDOWN, that's B-R-K-D-W-N, to receive that $10 free when you depend, deposit 10 bucks through PayPal. Thrive Fantasy, prop up with us. Seven, it is curtain call time, my good man. What do you have for us this week? First of all, that was a fucking savage ad read by Tommy. Fuck, hey, tighten this shit up. <laughs> Thrive is a great platform. But you have to fucking tighten that shit up. Tighten this ad read up. Oh my it's a, god! It's a, it's a door. It's a, it's a terrible start. I feel bad for you. I really do. And I hope okay, you get seven. better. Okay, <laughs> seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Where are we? Curtain calls. All right. Curtain call. <laughs> tighten um, this shit up, seven. I gotta tighten this shit up. Um, we talked about it briefly, and you mentioned it. Just how weird it is to see the Rays be buyers. I think the Rays are gonna add not one but two stud relievers to that bullpen. And I think Ooh. the fallout from that is you're going to see them actually employ a real rotation. Huh. I love that. I love that take. Um, I think it's going to blow up in their face, but I love the <laughs> idea. I think Kevin Cash is going to stop being a mad scientist and realize Ryan Yarbrough should probably be starting games. <laughs> um. Do you are is the rest of the the baseball world aware of the prank war that Kevin Cash and Terry Francona have going? I was not until you just said that. Okay, so literally every time Tampa comes to Cleveland, Kevin Cash and Terry Francona literally just go at each other with pranks. Like the one time when the 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 Rays were taking BP, Tito made sure that like Kevin Cash's career numbers were put on the scoreboard. And it was like Kevin Cash was a career 135 hitter, and and like his team was just sitting there dogging him. And then Kevin Cash responded by so like Terry Francona has this like little moped scooter that like he's famous for in Cleveland. Um, and uh, he somehow got a hold of it and put it at shortstop during BP. <laughs> So, like, the fucking Rays were just peppering this poor moped. Oh, my God. That's actually amazing. <laughs> yeah, but they, they literally have, like, an ongoing prank war. It's actually funny as hell. Um, 
But yeah, that that's literally all I know about Kevin Cash is as besides the Mad Scientist opener stuff. Yeah. Um, my my curtain call. Um, this is more or less like the I I want chaos to happen. <laughs> I want Yaziel Puig to be traded to the Cubs. Oof, love it. And like, it it would make sense because the Cubs need some outfield help, and. The Reds are looking to shop Puig potentially, and that's just a match made in hell. And I want it to happen. Yeah, I love everything about that, and I also <laughs> love that if I want, so I want this to happen. I want Puig if he goes to Chicago. I want him to cut the sleeves off and just rock the fucking biceps out, guns out. For Could Puig. you imagine the Wrigley faithful? Oh, they'd be, oh, they'd be so rip shit. If that happened, but I, it would—they'd love it too. They wouldn't know how to react. I think it would be the perfect storm, because chaos is a fucking ladder, and this guy is climbing it to the top, and I love it. Oh, I need it. I need it like I need air to breathe. Oh, <laughs> all right. That wraps up our first, uh, our first episode in double digits, episode ten. Uh, so another thing you guys got to check out: check out T Public. Uh, we got plenty of breakdown gear on there and a bunch of awesome, awesome ge- uh, gear, shirts, hoodies, ex- dog gear, whatever you need. It's from independent artists. They do a great job with it. They get a portion of the sales. We get a portion of the sales. Support local artists. Support the breakdown. Support T Public. Um, seven, as always, top notch. Uh, enjoy your week off, man. Yeah, thank you. Be on vacation yeah, you, next week. Where are you headed? So, I'm actually going to a little place called Block Island, 13 miles off the coast of Rhode Island. Beautiful. So going down there and uh, just going to celebrate some time off, get drunk on the beach, and just relax and get updates sent to my phone about the trade deadline and everything that goes on with it. Oh, can't wait. So I'll be back, likely with Jordan next week. You never know who's going to pop on. Um, but uh, until then... Until next time, seven. See you in a couple weeks. Go ahead and sign off, bud. Yep, episode 10, double digits. We are here, and uh, they're going to tighten this shit up next week for everyone listening, and I can't wait to listen myself. See ya. Get it right, get it right, get it tight. Get it right, get it right, get it tight. Get it right, get it right, get it right.